this is Tom Matthews, a.k.a. Tommy Jarvis from Friday the 13th, and Freddy from Return of the Living Dead. And let's not forget about Joey from Return of the Living Dead Part 2. And you're listening to Real Pop Culture. Enjoy. Corpse ain't gonna stop the hallucinations. Seeing it won't, but destroying it will. Jason belongs in hell. I'm gonna see he gets there. And then there was one. One is the loneliest number. You know, this might be, I think, yeah, the first episode in real pop culture history where one host did the whole episode from beginning to end. It's normal to do one person, and it's usually me, uh, doing the interviews because... uh, the way our, our setup is, which I know I've said on here before that I have good internet in the studio now, and we can now do Zoom and Skype. All that's true. I still did a phone interview this time because I haven't set all that up on the computer, but I do have the capability now, which beforehand, my internet out here was horrible. It wasn't reliable, so we did old school phone interviews. So that very well could have been the last one, uh, the, the one we did here with Tom Matthews. Um but yeah, this might just be me. But Anthony was going to try to make it, but the last time I heard from him, he said now he don't think he's going to. So I suppose there's a possibility you might hear Anthony in the outro. Nonetheless, we're going to keep the bo- keep the party rolling, keep the ball started. No, that don't work. Um, I got some cool announcements to make that I'm really excited about here. So we're going to be uh, Kill J, the Kill J band. We're going to be playing at Greyfest in Selmer, Tennessee. We're going to be with um, the Red Mountain, Eddie and the Defiance, Jack Mullins. Yeah, that's all. Red Mountain, Kill J, Eddie and the Defiance, and Jack Mullins. Going to be at Selmer, Tennessee at, at their uh, Halloween Rock and Roll Metal Music Festival. It's going to be October the 30th, 30th at the Selmer Community Center. Really looking forward to that. From what I understand, the whole city of Selmer is getting involved, and it's just going to be a big, fun Halloween extravaganza. I've always, I always like Halloween shows because you know everybody dresses up. It's, it's a, it's a nice time of year. It's you know, it's just going to be a, a it's going to be cool. I, I feel good about it. I'm excited. November the sixth, we're going to be playing at a, uh, a benefit show for our buddy, our guitar player, Sean Frank. Uh, as most everybody knows, he's uh, having to go do another round of chemo. 
and I can only imagine what the cost is of undergoing that kind of treatment. And we're going to do a benefit to help with his medical bills. We've got, um, we're going to be playing at the Shade Tree Music Room in Tupelo. And it's going to be an all day thing. Uh, the music starts at one o'clock. There's going to be a cornhole tournament at two. I love cornhole, that's fun. Um, the lineup for the music is Dan Arnold, Eric Stonger, Eric Stogner, excuse me, JJ Van Erpen. He's played with us before at the second stage at the Royal Festival. Uh, we got Skip Oliver, Night Surf, Seeking Seven, Kill J, Honeysuckle Blue, Magnolia Whiskey. Um, they're going to be doing auctions all day. It's just going to be a big, all day long, awesome, uh, awesome deal there. So be sure to check that out. Um, we've never played the Shade Tree Music Room. It, it looks like a really cool venue, and I've heard really cool things about it. So um, that's going to be awesome. Another thing I'm excited to announce is that there is a companion episode that's going to be on our Patreon to, to this episode that you're listening to, right? Meow. The way it came about is, okay, Tom Matthews, of course, you know by now he was in Return of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead Part 2, as well as Friday the 13th Part 6. But me being a Friday the 13th fan, and I say fan like I'm an Uber fan, as everybody who listens to this podcast knows. So, of course, I mostly talked to him about that. We did talk about Return of the Living Dead some, but going by like the, the way he talks about it fondly in other interviews, and I've heard him you know, talk about it, and I think he's just as proud of, as, as well he should be, of being in Return of the Living Dead as he is being in Friday the 13th. And so I was like, and we've been talking about doing this anyway. Cal, I was over here. And uh, we were the only two people here in the studio. I was like, let's watch Return of the Living Dead and record it, us watching it and doing commentary over it. And it actually took longer to set up than I thought. I thought it was going to be easier. And it's not the best quality, but we did the best we could with what we had. And, And now that we've done it, we know what else we need to do it better next time because you we wanted it to where you could hear us talking over the audio and you want to be able to hear the the movie but but not too loud because we set it up to where you can watch it along with us like we pulled it up on hbo max and i was like one two three play and so you can synchronize you know your viewing experience of it with us and kind of watch it along with us or if you if you don't want to do that, you can also hear it in the background enough to where you, you know you're not going to be lost. Even if you've never even seen the movie, I think it it'll be a good li- a good listen. And that's going to be on every level of our Patreon. No matter what level patron you are, you will be able to listen to that and as, as a companion to this episode. And we're going to be doing a lot more of that. In fact, if you're the top if you're a top tier patron, you get to pick out a movie for us to do. And we do that too. And again, we had so much fun doing it that I know we're going to be doing it more. We had the lights out. We had the candles lit. We had a cooler of beer behind us. And we just kicked back and watched an awesome horror movie and talked about it and made jokes. And we're just being silly goofballs like we always are. You know how we are. You know how we do. You know the drill. 
so uh, th- that'll be out probably tomorrow. I don't really have to do any editing to it. I, mean, I can't really edit it because then it wouldn't line up, you know, right with the watch-alongs. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get a lot of good content out there on our Patreon so that if you're supporting us, you're, you're not just supporting us, you're also getting uh, some really good content, and we're trying to keep content out there. In fact, I just put out there today a video of me and Anthony drinking a 30-year-old beer that uh, someone brought back from Germany. So you really ought to check that out. That was interesting. And I just uploaded that today. So that's a, that's a new thing that's out there on our Patreon as well. All right, well, without further ado, adieu. Let's jump to this interview, man. I had a real good time talking to Tom Matthews. He's so cool. He's he's really happy that he was in these movies, and rightfully so. Uh, he he loves obviously loves talking about it. He loves that he got to play Tommy Jarvis and and loves the fact that he's a part of such a, a iconic classic film and franchise that we will be talking about for years and years and years to come. Probably way after we're gone, people will be talking about the Friday the Thirteenth. I'm sure. But um, after the interview, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna go ahead and do my list. I think. Because, I mean, this let's just make this an entire Friday the 13th episode. And if, you, if you're if you just tuning in and you're like, what do you mean your list? Well, every Halloween, well, every October, rather, we do lists of movies. And it started out the first year, it was just uh, top 10 favorite horror movies. Well, then it, it kind of grew from there. It was like favorite sequels and several different things. This year, the list is is this. You pick a franchise. The only stipulation is the franchise needs to have at least five films. Uh, obviously, it's October, so horror movie franchise. And there's a lot of them out there that have more than five. Well, five or more. Pick the franchise and then list your favorite to least favorite movies in the franchise. So it's like part one, your favorite. That'll be number one. Let's say part four is your second favorite. Part six is your third. And you just go from there from favorite to least favorite. And like I've said before, it's uh, you'd be surprised because everybody knows their favorite ones. And everybody knows their least favorite. And then you just got to kind of fill in the gaps in the middle. And obviously, I did Friday the 13th. And I've had that list kind of together for a long time. So I'm, all, I'm doing a second one that I'm going to be doing later on. I'm rewatching all the Not Money on Street movies. So tonight, since it's just me and this is all Friday the 13th, after the interview, I'm going to go ahead and do my list. Uh, I'm also going to talk about uh, some exciting information uh, in the Friday the 13th franchise in general. It's been in the news lately about uh, about this lawsuit that's had the franchise tied up for several years. The reason you haven't seen a new Jason movie or Jason game or or anything is has been because of this this lawsuit that's been going on and there's been a, a some major in, m- movement in that area. Uh so hopefully we are on the downslope of of the wait for a new Friday the 13th movie, you know, in the franchise. So anyway, uh go ahead and send us your lists. You can send it to us through our voicemail line. Our voicemail line is 662-767-4487. That's strictly a voicemail line. 
Nobody's going to pick up but an, but an answering service. Leave your message. Or you can text that number as well. Or you can email it to us at popculture4real. That's the number four real at gmail.com. Or you can message us on our Facebook. Any of those ways right there will get the list to us and uh, we'll read your list on the air. We always have a good response with these. That's why we do them every year. I like the, for the listeners to get involved and um, it, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. And there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of horror movie franchises out there that have, have several sequels. Some of them even more so than I realized when we started doing a little digging. But anyway, uh, enough talking. Let's get to the other talking. Here's uh, here's my interview with Tom Matthews. I'm on the phone with Tom Matthews, aka Tommy Jarvis, from my favorite Friday the Thirteenth film of all times. I really appreciate you calling in and talking to us, especially being it's October. I can only imagine what your schedule is like right now. Is oh it, my God! Is it crazy or is it always crazy? Yeah, it's uh, it's gearing up, you know, with all the conventions and podcasts and uh i'd finished a couple movies so that uh is kind of in the mix and then I, i've got my own construction company so that's always you know that's what gets me up at, in the morning and stuff get me out the door keep me, keeps me a little sane in, in between all this other stuff that's going on but yeah it's it's uh it's a it's definitely a busy month and it's spilling over into november too which is kind of uh unprecedented but uh it's all good yeah, I noticed you're, you're obviously a morning person because I didn't realize I'm two hours ahead of you. So, and it was early for me. I was on my first cup of coffee when I messaged you. <laughs> and you're, you're two hours behind me, and you, you messaged me back like right away this morning. So it was around yeah. 6, 6.30 a.m. You were already yep. up and going. <laughs> yeah, I come in. I do my uh, – my, uh, we put some of my emails, and then I, I come back in the afternoon. Then I go – to my job sites and stuff like that, make the rounds, and then I come back in the afternoon, do more emails, and do paperwork, and kind of that's my cycle. And, and you know, and then Fridays, uh, I even work on the weekends if I have to do on paperwork and design and stuff like that. Man, I got to tell you, I was so glad to see you in Never Hike Alone, and I was I was late to the party for for Never Hike Alone, which I'm kind of glad because I had no idea you were in this film. Until well, I saw I'm surprised you. you didn't hear about it because we went out of our way to keep me out of the even the uh, even the guys who re, the you know the guys who reviewed it were nice enough to after seeing it and reviewed the movie they were nice enough to uh, keep me uh, my name out of it per Vincent Desante the writer director producer of the uh, the Never Hike Alone series uh, and um, yeah I'm surprised. Uh, you didn't hear about it. We've up to almost like up to 2.7 million views on YouTube, which is fantastic. And we did the Never Hike in the Snow, you know, which is which was fun. We 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 brought back Vinny Gustafero, who was the deputy in Park Six, who are now um, I don't know if you've seen that, but he he now is the sheriff of the town, and he's outfitted all his uh, his employees with the uh, high tech laser. Uh, uh, laser guns. His ridiculously large laser scope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the mail order. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, I was late to the party on watching the movie. I didn't wow. know you were in it at all. And when you opened the door to the ambulance, I was like, 
holy shit. What the f***? Yeah. And then I, before I even had the chance to ask myself, is he, and then she said your name, Tommy. I was like, yes, he's playing Tommy Jarvis. Finally, this is what we've all wanted for over 30 years. That was an exciting moment for me. What was it like for you getting to revisit the character? You know what? It was great. Uh, and I kind of, I kind of came about it, uh, kind of backwards. I had a, uh, how I got involved with it. I had a friend who uh, is a writer friend of mine. He's known him for 35 years. And, uh, he met, met an acquaintance and the acquaintance found out that he knew me. And the guy was a horror, horror fan from way back. And he kept bothering him. So my friend couldn't take it anymore. And he, cause he hates asking me for stuff. He finally, he finally said, please, you gotta we have lunch or dinner with this guy and, you know, just he won't, he won't stop talking I said, sure, sure, anything for you, so <laughs> um had, uh, went out to dinner with him uh, a bunch of us and uh, during the course of the conversation he, he said uh, he was involved with a fan film and was wondering if I would like to be a part of it and I'm thinking oh my god has it come to this? Fan films. <laughs> now I'm doing fan films. Yeah. And being polite, I said, yeah, sure, send it over. You know, let me read the script. He goes, no, 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 we've already shot half of it. I said, even better. So he sent it over, and um, quite honestly, I was taken, taken aback by it because the production value was just amazing. It looked like, you know, a feature film, the right. production value, the quality. Everything was fantastic. The story was great. Met the... Um, I met Vincent DeSante, and, and uh, we figured out, you know, somewhere where I could fit, fit in. And uh, because, they, like I said, they had already shot half of it, and there was a, they were kind of shooting at lineal. Because a lot of times when you're making movies, you shoot the ending first and the beginning last, or you know, depending on what the location is and stuff. But um, so yeah, it worked out, and I was really, uh, really happy about it, how it turned out, and everything. So. Really, really kind of cool, cool experience. And, and the guy who uh, was my friend's friend was Barry J. He was the executive producer on the show. Oh, and cool. And he went on to write and direct uh, another horror movie, and he hired me to be um, a part of that called Killer Therapy. It's really, really disturbing, and it's really, really great. And if anybody wants to see that, I think it's on Amazon. Um, yeah, I had that in my movie. notes to ask you about that movie. Uh, so yeah, it's on Amazon. Really cool, cool. Yeah. So the guy who wrote and directed that was the executive producer on uh, Never Hike Alone. Oh, okay, cool. And um, Killer Therapy. Yeah, it was a it was a great shoot. Punch shoot in town here in, in Los Angeles. Awesome. I, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm definitely uh, going to check that out. Um, if you watch uh, the ghost cut of Never Hike Alone, which I personally recommend to anybody that's never seen any of them because it's got it all What's yeah it brings it all it pulls it all together i i have seen it just uh for that reason it's it's lineal yeah it, it lays it out very well and at yeah. the very end it says uh something like the saga continues never hike alone for the final hike and right i noticed on your imdb it's got something about never hike alone for can you tell us anything about the the final hike? Well, we were supposed to shoot it, uh, this is the first, so last month, September 2020, 
2021. That was the plan, but then COVID hit, and right. I think Vincent got busy with other stuff and whatnot. So we're um, hopefully we'll shoot it in the summer. I think he's going to start crowdfunding here pretty quick, um, and it's going to be basically he was going to he was going to shoot three other smaller segments, but now I think he's going to shoot one length, one full length. Um, you know, hundred hour and a half movie now. <laughs> And um, uh, it's going to basically be uh, the last time I looked at it and we talked uh, was going to basically be a continuation of Never Hike Alone, but going back a little bit. Like in Never Hike Alone, you saw, you heard me fight with Jason. Well, the plan is and Never Hike Again, because that's going to be the name of it. Uh, it was, uh, you're going to see the fight scene. So there's going to be a little overlapping, which is going to be kind of cool. We'll see a different perspective, Tommy's perspective, as opposed to hearing, just hearing the fight, and then uh, going off from there. And then taking the kid uh, to, uh, leaving Jason behind, taking the kid to the hospital. Vinny, Vinny Gustafira busts in, the, the new sheriff, and we have some altercations, and it kind of goes on from there. Right on. And it, it's no secret that, that Friday the 13th Part 6 is most everybody's favorite in the series, if not one of their favorites. But it's got to be so... Go ahead. Yeah, it's up there. I think it's either one of the top three for sure on almost everybody's list. Unless unless they just, uh, you know, just hate it. Uh, But to... uh, Even though everybody knows that's one of the fan favorites, to see everybody's reaction for you returning to the role, I'm sure you went to some of the screenings... I'm sure you saw the fans react kind of the way I did. And I was watching it by I, myself, and I was you know still what? like, I, yeah. I did. We, we, we screened it in uh, Telluride at the Horror Film Festival, which, if any, I mean, it's, the the venue is great up in Telluride. And the fact that it's just a, a horror film festival is, was great. So if anybody has an opportunity to go to that film festival, you see all the in-dive films or the horror films that are coming out, and some of the bigger ones too. But it's just a great experience. So, yeah, like at, at that, we we uh, we kept it quiet. I was hiding in the back, you know, and it was a packed house. And uh, when I when I came on, yeah, everyone <laughs> jumped out of their seats. I mean, it was it was really a lot of fun. And then I, I get some stuff on my fan page on Facebook. I have, I have a fan page that people were reaching out to me, just freaking out because they're sitting at home on their couch and they jump out of their sofa, you know, and they're just like, I can't believe it. It was <laughs> the it's reaction. Great. It's so much fun because the reactions are genuine and real and, you know, they've been waiting a long time I think, to see me. I was hoping, you know, they, they would start to keep it the continuation part seven, but it just kind of went off on them. You know, on tangent, I guess. Well, anyway. you know, my, I like part seven myself, but I always assumed when I watched it, I was like, okay, so they're taking a break from the, the Tommy Jarvis storyline, but surely after this one, they're going to go back to it because obviously everybody likes it. It's there. Tommy's still around. Jason's still around. Um, well, yeah, it was it? And then it was when Part Eight comes story, around, you know, and and you know, left off with Megan and I maybe getting together. There's a little bit of romance going on. And yeah, you kind of were invested in the characters because Tom had actually really gave us some characters, and and uh, you know, it was it's a good story. It looked great. I thought they were going to continue with it, but you know it didn't happen. Yeah, like and then Tom, Tom McLaughlin. I thought he was, you know, going to pitch for make have the thirteenth one 
have a script for the 13th one and then bring Tommy Jarvis back. But I was disappointed to find out that that wasn't his plan. So um, he can go to hell, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Was there ever any talks whatsoever that you know about or that were with you about possibly doing again and it just didn't come to fruition? Or was it like after part six you just never heard anything again? I just never heard anything. They did just uh, some of my clips from part six and part seven in the opening. Mm -hmm. But um, other than that, I never really heard anything after that. I I do have some really, people have sent me some really great scripts that would be a continuation basically of part six uh, years later. Some really great ideas and stuff. So uh, I have those. and, And there's also actually a series where Tommy was uh, still tormented, and uh, you know, New Jason was going to be coming back, but more like a um, the anti- uh, um, what's that? Well, there's murders, and he's like he goes to these weird murders that are happening, and trying to see and flush them out to see if it's Jason because he's obsessed with that Jason's coming back. He's, he's confident that Jason's coming back, so he goes to these other towns to these different murders and kind of checks them out more like a detective i guess so that was one idea which was kind of cool but you never see jason you just see the you know it's it's always on the cusp of seeing jason yeah i like how it it seems like tommy feels somehow solely responsible for keeping jason from either coming back and doing what he does or or if he does come back to stop him and that that kind of Shows well, there's through some, there's some, I, I really, I'm not going to tell you, but I, I, there's a really great one that uh, because of global warming, the water's going down, you know, and it's a really, really great way to bring Jason back uh, from being under the water, under the chain. Uh, so that's a, you know, hopefully we can do that one at some point because that's a really great opening scene in, in, in the movie. That would you know, be- I, always saw, I always saw him, Tommy, being you know, tormented and he probably married Megan and they may have, have a kid or two, but he's just, he's obsessed with Jason and he knows he's going to come back. So he kind of goes off into the woods and does his own thing and builds traps and maybe has a dog or two and, you know, not leaving very far around Camp Crystal Lake, just always in that area, just waiting for Jason to rear his ugly maggot head again, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I love that you got to call him Maggot Head again also in Never Hike Alone. That was yeah. that was some fan service that I needed after waiting 30 years. <laughs> I needed that. Yeah. So thank you for that. My pleasure. Uh, you brought up Tom McLaughlin. Uh, he just recently, like in the last few days, posted on Twitter uh, a post that said, does anybody want to see a sequel to Jason Lives? Set yeah, in- but his is all girl heavy. It's all girls. Oh, okay. I, this, <laughs> I didn't post many details, but I, I was like, "What? I've never heard about this." Yeah, it's about uh, it's about it's it's in Camp Crystal Lake. It's across the camp, the the lake on the other side. So it's like they don't know about Jason, and uh, it's basically a, a, a lot of girls are in it, and it takes place. Uh, I think in ni- 2009 or 1999, so it's either 10 years later or 15 years later after part six, uh, if on, on the timeline. So that really wouldn't play into Tommy Jarvis being, you know, 30, 35 years older now. 
but that's his idea. Nowadays, uh, you get more uh, director cuts and extended versions than you used to back then. Was there anything in particular that you committed to film that that was cut that you were like disappointed that it didn't make it in part six? In part six, yeah. Uh, well, look, I saw uh, I saw the dailies for when the share share was bent over backwards. Uh-huh. And um, no music, no special effects, and it was chilling just to watch it. It was so such a pure kill in my. It's one of my favorites in the whole franchise. It just uh, me too. I mean, just to have that it's happen gruesome. to you, you know. And the, and the guy in the hole because what they did, they dug a hole in the ground. One guy was bent over his. His torso was in the hole. His feet were out of the hole. The sheriff was standing inside the hole. He's bending forward. And Jay, he just kind of bends over backwards. And what really sold it for me was the guy in the hole. He kicked his feet up as when his back snapped. So that was like, oh, man. It was so great. Just really pure. Also, um, I also saw uh, in dailies, because we were watching dailies when we could, uh, Ron Pillow, when his heart, uh, when Jason punched his fist through Ron's chest and had his heart in his hand. He kind of, he drops it on the ground and bounces and they cut all that stuff out. But other than that, um, you know, it was, uh, I can't remember anything else. It, you know, they had to care word about, you know, the, the rating and stuff like that. They were, they were really hard on uh, Friday the 13th uh, back in the day because the, uh, they thought, the MPAA thought they were getting away with too much. Yeah, which is crazy about today's standards. I talked about, uh, we had C.J. Graham on the show a while back, and he was telling us about everything that they either cut it or had to shorten it because they were trying to give it a rated X, uh, a rating. And I'm right. like, man, think about the stuff they do nowadays on screen and, and get away oh, with PG-13. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> and, and, and part six, there's no blood. I mean, there's, well, there's just a little bit of blood, but you don't really see it. You just see it splashed all over, I guess. But um, no kills or blood. Not like... Uh, you saw Never Hike in the Snow, right? Yeah. You seen that one? Yes. Oh, that first kill, the kid with the axe in the mouth? Oh, yeah. That was an awesome <laughs> practical effect. Oh, effect. man. Freaking brutal. Nothing like that in part six. Great kill, though. But, you know, my, my two favorite kills in the franchise is that one, and the other one is the, the infamous sleeping bag uh, smack against the tree oh, yeah. in yep. seven. And, again, neither one of them had blood, but... If you put it together with the sound effects and the build-up yeah. of the music, it's just it's well. Gruesome. You also you kind of have to because he's not showing you basically like the, the knife going in or something. Well, I mean, we can all kind of relate to being smashed around in a sleeping bag. That's I mean, you really visually you have to kind of put yourself there, and it, it kind of makes it more uh, dramatic for some reason. And then also with the sheriff just bending over backwards, how. How awful that would that would hurt. Yeah, huh, that would be a miserable. bad way to die, for yeah, sure. Yeah, terrible. The, the first time I watched Part 6, for some reason I got the impression that, uh, that Tommy and Halls had escaped the mental institution. But when I went back and rewatched it a few more times, I see that it, it sounds more like they're, they've just been released. Um, how do you... Like, how much time has passed between the time they've gotten out 
from then until you see him in the truck headed to the gravesite? I would say like three or four days. It wasn't a long, a long time because Tommy was he was on a mission, right? You know, to get it done and, and to get peace of mind for himself to make sure that because the nightmares were just they were becoming more and more, and then he was released and they they got out. So it was shortly after that, you know, got the truck and drove over. And that same truck appeared in uh, one of the other sequels, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I read somewhere that the uh, like top ten, 10 things you didn't know about part six, and it, uh -huh. it said that truck was in part three or five. I can't remember which one it was. Oh, huh. So yeah, there you Miguel go. Nunez was in, I think Miguel Nunez was in part five, too. He was in Return of Living Dead. Um, speaking of part five, another thing I used to, I used to think they, the franchise just, it seems like, uh, the franchise kind of just ignored the events of part five at first. But then when I, <clears throat> when I found out later in part six, there was going to be some dialogue about Jason getting cremated versus somebody paid him off to not cremate him. Uh, it seems like that maybe it didn't ignore, what's, what's your take on that? Uh, I think we pretty much ignored it from what we shot on part six. I don't know what they were planning to do in the script uh, prior to that or the conversations that the producers had with Tom. So, um, you know, they yeah, they pretty much let Tom alone. I, I, I do know Frank Mancuso Jr. let him pretty much do his own thing as long as, you know, he wanted comedy in it, a little bit of humor and Tom, uh, I mean, uh, Frank Mancuso said that's fine if uh, just as long as you don't make fun of Jason. So, right, uh, I think you know Tom put a lot of Easter eggs, and Tom was he's a huge horror fan, so he put in all the you know all the effects and the lightning bolt is from Frankenstein, you know, the, the direct right. nod to that, and then the Karloff supermarket where I'm on on the phone booth it's in the background, you know. All that kind of cool stuff. And you know, I'm a, a huge, fan. I'm a huge slasher film fan, of course, and I didn't mind the humor at all. I mean, there's a lot of humor in Return of the Living Dead, but it's it's still scary. There is, but it's it's different. It's different. The humor in Return of the Living Dead, uh, Return of the Living Dead is truly a dark comedy. Yes, very. Because dark. you're laughing at the situations that we get ourselves into. And you can't believe what you're seeing. That's what makes it so funny. Um, now, even in Friday the 13th, the paintball stuff, he was going for a joke. Right. The smiley face on the tree. You know, there's a difference. So there's a line. And that's what, that's, I mean, look, Friday, I mean, uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 2 on its own is a good movie for kids. If that's your first horror movie you're going to see as a kid, it's great. But if you compare it to part one, it's a different movie. It's a completely different movie. And in and, and, and feeling and in and, and, uh, tone and, and stuff like that. There's no there's no jokes in Return of the Living Dead part one. There's only jokes because of the situations we get ourselves into. Yeah. There's no there's no on the nose, we're gonna make a joke here. You know. I mean you're laughing at the situations that, that you're, you're, you're seeing it's not because it's this uh, you know it's uh, they're making jokes or a, a direct joke 
Um, Ret Return of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead 2 and Friday the 13th Part 6, they weren't all that far apart in the grand scheme of things. Do you think your appearances and uh, your great performance, by the way, in Return of the Living Dead had anything to do with landing the role of Tommy? Funny you ask that, because I just asked Tom McLaughlin that three years ago, and he said no. He had no idea about it, wow. that it was even out. It, 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 yeah, so, I mean, think about it. I mean, we filmed it, and then it takes a year for it to come out. Um, and then, so, about when it's coming out, I'm starting to film Friday the 13th, Part 6. So, there's a, it takes about a year. There's, there's a, it's a year difference. So, yeah, he said that it had nothing to do with with anything. And that, that even, and then we did uh, Return 2. And uh, uh, Jimmy and I came back in it only because... Uh, uh, part one was such a huge hit in Japan that when they went to pre-sell the idea and the script to make part two, uh, you pre-sell it to the foreign distributors for like uh, Switzerland and Spain and Japan to get the money to make the movie, the producers, that's how they get some of the money to make the movie. Right. And then Japan wanted... Um, they agreed to do it, just as long as they brought back Jimmy Karen and myself. That's got to make you feel uh, good about yourself. It did. <laughs> it's like, did. we'll give you just money as long as, you're, as long as you bring back Tom Matthews. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It did. It was, it was nice. I was just happy to work with Jimmy Karen. Oh, and on that, on, on part two, we found out uh, that we had we were born on the same day, so maybe that's why we, uh, we hit it off so good and acted so well together. Nice little happenstance. Um, yeah. Bizarre. For most actors, it would be great uh, to catch lightning in a bottle, no pun intended, just once, but three times on three iconic classic horror movies that people are going to be talking about forever. And, and, it, and it didn't have anything to do with you getting to Jason, the, the Jason movies. It's, that's pretty awesome. Right. Yeah, it's, 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 I got lucky, man. Like I said, it was Tom, part six was uh, all Tom McLaughlin. I mean, it's beautifully shot and it's, it's, there's a story there and you can root for the characters and it's a solid movie. I mean, he, he made a, he made a really good movie with all his constraints that he had to do. You know, he, he had to have so many kills and he had to have Jason and he, he made a, a great movie. And, and uh, so kudos to him. And, and Return of the Living Dead has become part of pop culture now because, you know, we're, it's phenomenal. It's, uh, uh, whenever you think of zombies eating brains, which is everywhere, yeah. you think of Return of the Living Dead. It, it, that's where the origination, it originated from. So, you know, that's, yeah, I got really lucky. I just got lucky. Wasn't there a line that said something like eating brains eases the pain of dying? Yeah. That's and that's my favorite scene in the whole movie. The conversation with the the half corpse, that that, that old lady, uh, it's just just chilling, and it, it kind of sums up everything. It's just a, a great scene. The brains, not people. Brains <laughs> eases the pain of dying. Ooh. That's awesome. So that's a the, great scene. The movie of uh, going back to Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, Jason Lives. It was shot in Covington, Georgia. That's uh, right. What time of year was it filmed? Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, I think right about now is what I want to say because 
I remember uh, being there. It wasn't the summer. It was just after because we were we were filming, and then um, it was during the day. And I see the camera, the local camera guy. He was helping us. He was starting to wrap up, to put, put plastic over the the camera to protect because we shot in thirty five millimeter back then. Right. He was covering the camera with plastic, and I said, "What, what are you doing that for?" He goes, "It's going to rain." As like. It's not going to rain. And sure enough, five minutes later, it rained. And it rained like you wouldn't believe. Wow. <laughs> it rained so hard for five minutes. I mean, like a torrential downpour, and then it stopped. It was just amazing. So I'd have to say, if I remember correctly, probably around, I mean, I could go back and look at my my call sheets and, and see the, the, the dates on them. Um, but I think it was about this time. I also have a... a which I found out a couple of years ago. I have a a plaque. I'm not sure where it is, but someone sent me a picture of it of Tom Matthews. I'm like it's a, like a star in somebody's concrete on the sidewalk someplace, which is kind of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, we're from the southeast. I'm, in fact, I'm about four hours away from where the movie was filmed, and I'm only oh, about wow. two to three hours away from, from where Part Seven was filmed. And I've I've been out on location to that place. Oh, that's cool. And if, if y'all awesome. filmed it at this time of year, you got lucky. You didn't get to see how hot and humid it can really be in the southeast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, we have some brutal summers because of the humidity. Right. We that have this term we use. I don't know if you have it out in uh, in L.A., but uh, we have a term we call swamp ass. No. <laughs> you get so we hot. That here. You get so hot <laughs> and so humid that. Everything from the waist down gets all wet and swampy, and it's it's yeah. it sucks. We call it swamp ass. So there nice. you go. <laughs> I did just I did discover uh, the Waffle Houses though when I was out there. That was pretty. That was pretty interesting. All the Waffle Houses. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them. Did y'all stay close to Covington, or did you go back to Atlanta? Yeah, we we uh, we did. Yeah, we did. It was wasn't too far. Uh, from, yeah, and Daniel Morgan. I think where we, the hotel I was staying at, there was a Waffle House just at the end of the parking lot. So I'd go there and have breakfast, you know, whenever. That was uh, that was pretty interesting. As we're winding down here, I just have a couple more questions for you. Uh, Crystal Lake Memories, that is probably the most in-depth, awesome documentary that you can have for a, a Friday the 13th fan. It's like a six-hour-long thing that covers pretty much everything you can think of. Uh, what was that originally shot for? Uh, was it was it made for just a DVD or for a television network? Or I watched it on YouTube, so I, I didn't know what they originally made that. Yeah, for. they just made it for that for like a DVD to kind of put all the Fridays in, in in one place, kind of a bookend thing. You know, it's, it was kind of a great idea. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. Specifically made for DVD to sell it and, and uh, uh, you know, promote and just to kind of another nod to the fans and give them, you know, kind of recapitulate all, all the, the franchise at the time. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, you just put on your Facebook recently that you'd finished shooting, shooting scenes for a movie called Go Away. Can you oh, tell yeah. us anything about that? Yeah, it's a great script. Oh, my God. It's really excited. Um, it's about uh, it's about these four masked. This opens up with these four masked people 
just randomly picking a house and terrorizing the, the, the family and nobody survives. And then uh, it kicks to uh, a family, uh, two girls and their mom, there's family issues. The father died uh, a couple of years ago. The mom gets remarried. She doesn't tell the kids. I'm the husband. So they all kind of gathered for dinner one night. Their mom invites them. So there's all this family dynamic uh, they're trying to get through. And also the fact that the mother remarried this guy and I'm the guy. And and uh, I'm not very social. And I'm not very charming. And I have a history that unfolds. Uh, you know, throughout the course of the, the film. Uh, and then these four masked guys come by and they pick our house, which is bad news for them uh, at the end of the day. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> that sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's really great. It was really a lot of fun. Um, and then I did uh, a movie called The Final Summer. Uh, shot that in Illinois probably a month ago that'll be coming out in 2022 as well played a, a deputy Palmer in that it, that one's that one's really like uh, Friday the 13th part 6 you know kind of a lot of the same elements and stuff like that and uh, yeah it's been busy it's been pick, picking back up I got something lined up for the summer of 2020 already called Jam and Dead um and then doing all the horror conventions, you know, it's been a, been a lot of fun. Going, going out to, um, heading off to uh, England uh, in a couple of weeks to go do For the Love of Horror in uh, Manchester with CJ. And uh, Tom's going to be there, Tom McLaughlin, the director from Part 6. Uh, and then closer to you, we're going to be at the New Jersey, New Jersey Horror Fest at the Showboat Hotel in Atlantic City. Awesome. So come on by. Yeah. That's a little bit of a drive for me, but it'd be totally worth it. Oh, it, it. is? <laughs> uh, well, we're from Mississippi. Uh, uh, like I said, we're about oh, four hours. it is a bit of a drive, yeah. Yeah, uh, we're about four hours from Atlanta. Well, screw that. <laughs> <laughs> so if y'all ever come back to Atlanta, uh, actually, Tom McLaughlin, I think, recently did an appearance. He did. He was at the, he was at the, he was at the campsite. Yeah. He did a whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't yeah, get a yeah, chance to go to that. But that would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been that would have been so cool. Um, I think CJ CJ may have done it once, or they're trying they're going to try and get us there or something. Um, if that ever happens, I'm there for sure. Yeah, cool. I got this. Yeah, you missed. I was going to say you missed me. At, I was over East Malone, Illinois. I don't know how far that is from you. Is about six hours. Oh, screw that. <laughs> Yeah, we got to get something in your backyard. Yeah, please do. Um, yeah. Last question. Other than Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, what would be your second favorite Friday the 13th movie in the franchise? You know what? I really like Part 4. Ah, good one. The or uh, origin of Tommy Jarvis. Yeah. Corey did a great job, and uh, the movie's solid, and, uh, you know, I just really liked it a lot, so... I'd have to go with part four. Awesome. You know, you know, he gets a lot of slack, but he did a great job in, in that movie. I sure. agree. That's another huge fan favorite. Um, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's a great, it's a good movie. Absolutely. And it is a great performance by everybody involved. Good story. 
And speaking of Crystal Lake memoirs, he kind of narrated that whole thing. Yep. Cool. Yep. Well, is there anything else you want to plug? Any appearances or anything that you're working on? Uh, your website? No, your... Just, yeah, no, I'm going to be up in Canada. That's in 2022. That's a ways away. But yeah, uh, just the uh, showboat in Atlantic City in June, uh, the week of June, the third, the third, the first week of June, the the third through the fifth, and then uh, in November twelfth to the fourteenth at the Showboat in uh, Atlantic City Showboat Hotel, which I, I haven't been to that one, so that should be a lot of fun. Awesome! Um, it's a good venue, so it's been fun. Right on, man. Well, I had a great time talking to you. Uh, I'd love to do it again sometime, especially if there's this, something uh, a movie that comes out. Yeah, you bet. You in, in the summer, we'll, 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 we'll hook back up and. You know, after you see the movie uh, go away, we can talk about it because I, you know, if, if if it comes out as good as it reads on on, on the script, you know, it's going to be a wonderful, fun uh, movie for the fans, for the horror fans. It's going to be great. And you know, while we're talking about horror fans, God bless you guys because I mean, it's just amazing uh, uh, the you know the, the dedication and and. Uh, just the all the all the letters and stuff from all over the world. It's just it's just amazing, <laughs> just amazing, just nonstop. And it's just been so much fun. I've been really blessed and, and lucky to be a part of it all. That's awesome, man. It, it, it's really fun. Uh, and and it seems like lately there's in the last few years there's been a, a resurgence in interest. And I think the cons maybe had a lot to do with that. I think the cons, I think, I think just the zombie apocalypse, whatever that had started. <laughs> I think also, uh, you know, the Oscars was going to have its own category about six, seven years ago. And I don't know what happened. It kind of phased, phased out, but uh, it's going to have its own horror, horror film category, best acting, best, you know, all the categories just for horror, which would have been good because, you know, now it's kind of serious. Uh, but it's... Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it should. But. Awesome. Well, thanks again for calling in, man. You have no idea how much it means to me and means to our you listeners. Uh, I feel like I've known you my whole life because I've, <laughs> I've watched part six more times than I care to admit. I watched it again <laughs> last night in case I missed something that I wanted to bring up for the interview. Right. Today. Yeah, it but, still holds up, doesn't it? Uh, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. Uh, yeah, I was in, uh, I was in Columbus, Ohio at Studio 35, and we had a, a Jason Live screen on the big screen and did a Q&A after and they flew me out and just met everybody and signed pictures. It was a lot of fun watching it on on the big screen. And then the next night we had, we, they showed uh, Return of the Living Dead 2 and Jason, I mean, uh, uh, Dana Astro came out, so we both were there. And then the third night on Sunday, they just uh, screened uh, uh, his movie, um, Twin Peaks. So he was there. So we kind of overlapped. It was good to see him and catch up with him. I haven't, hadn't seen him in, you know, 20, 25 years or so. And we used to run around as young actors together. We knew the same people. I worked with his sister on, on the show. So it was good catching up with him. But it's been it's been fun. I've been really lucky. I know you run into CJ a lot on the con circuit. I do. Do you still call him Maggot Head yep. from time to time? I do. And good. other things. That's good to know. <laughs> that's good he's shrinking know. I think we're all shrinking but uh, <laughs> no he's still uh, he's still good he's, he's doing great he's doing the vengeance uh, fan films right yeah 
doing a good job. He plays his father, which is kind of kind of incestual, if you ask me. But whatever. <laughs> Elias Voorhees, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> we always wondered where he was at. Yeah, now you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, once again, thanks so much for calling in. I had a blast. Yeah, let's, my pleasure. Let's do it again good sometime. Talking with you. Good talking I'll to talk you. Talk to you in the summer. You have a good weekend and uh, be safe out there. Thanks a lot. You too. All right, brother. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay, without further ado, here's my list. The Friday the 13th franchise, favorite to least favorite movies. Number one is number six. What? I know, gasp. Everyone is so shocked. If you've listened to this episode, uh, this show, excuse me, or this episode, you know this already. I don't have to elaborate. Everybody knows six is my favorite. So number two is number one. The OG. You can't deny that's a timeless classic horror movie that will hold up forever. It set the stage. It set the tone. It set the table. It set the clock for slasher films and for this franchise. Um, I watch it every, every Halloween season. I watch it every October. It's on my list of, of horror movies that I, I watch yearly. And I'm always looking forward to it. Like I've said before, I don't really spoil myself. It's not that I don't watch horror movies at all throughout the year, but I really try to condense it and concentrate it, and then I incorporate new ones, but then there's the ones I always fall back on. Rest assured, I will be watching Friday the 13th Part 1 at least one time or sometime this month. Number three is... Number four, Tom Matthews, as you just heard, that was his favorite besides Jason Lives. Uh, I didn't I didn't ask him if Jason Lives is his favorite. I just assumed it'd be kind of weird if it wasn't. But uh, that's the start of the Tommy, Tommy Jarvis story that is uh, that was so good. And again, and as you heard in the interview, we I wish it was, they would pick it back up. And I. Read recently, like very recently, Corey Feldman has expressed interest in returning as Tommy Jarvis. You know, he started it all in part four, but he wanted to do another showdown with Jason. I think he put it on Twitter or one of his social medias. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I don't hate that idea. Of course, I'd like to see Tom Matthews return in the main franchise as well. But if he doesn't, I'm really enjoying what he's doing to never hike alone and obviously he's seen other scripts for other stuff so he doesn't necessarily have to return to you know the uh, the main franchise as in you know what we're discussing here to still be out there as tommy jarvis which i think is really cool anyway number four is in case i get my numbers off i'm just gonna say the next one the next one will be the 2009 remake, just called Friday the 13th. And I'll be honest with you, the first when I first heard about this movie, I'm not going to lie, I went into it 
kind of like, I, okay, I'll just say it with a bad attitude. And I was wrong. I ate crow. I put a little hot sauce on it, a little pepper. I made it taste as, as good as I possibly could. But And gladly, I'm glad I ate that crow because you know how it is. You get really attached to something and you're like, hey, don't mess with my kids, man. Don't don't mess this up. And I guess I'd seen too many other franchises do these reboots that just just didn't work. But surprisingly, you know, especially when I went back and watched it later with a, a better attitude. And most Friday the 13th fans agree. It was really good. I love how they told the backstory briefly without, you know, we've known Jason for forever. So we don't need a huge origin story. But they hit the high spots, and they got him to where he needed to be, to where it made sense, made him scary again, kind of humanized him again. He was, they stripped away the supernatural. He kind of reminded me more of Jason from, like, part three kind of era. Uh, I, and it holds up. It's, it's, it's not dated, so if you know someone that, hasn't seen any or many of the, the originals and you want to get them into the franchise, it's a good place to get their feet wet. It's a good starting point and then go back to the older ones because that's some of them, you know, of course they're dated, uh, which doesn't bother me at all, but, but some people will be like, what is this? If they're not used to, you know, that kind of thing, that kind of, you know what I mean? Moving along. Freddy versus Jason. I really wish this one was higher up on my list. And it so easily could have been. And I think I've talked about this before, so I'll keep it really brief. They made some unforgivable mistakes in this movie. But it's still a great movie. It's the movie I always wanted to see. When I was sitting in study hall in like junior high talking to my friends... I was like, hey, man, how cool would it be if Jason and Freddy, like, who would win in, that, in, a, in a fight? And, you know, some of your friends would be like, no, Freddy. Like, no, you're crazy. Jason would win. Like, no. You know, it's the kind of stuff we talked about all the time. It was, it's, it's a match made in hell, pun intended. It's like the ultimate showdown. And they did it well. They just did, like, three things they just pissed me off a little too hard. And and the reason that they pissed me off is because I like the movie so much. If the whole movie was just a shit show, I'd have been like, okay, whatever, who cares? The whole thing sucked. Bye-bye, good night. But because it was great, it made me made me even matter that they didn't they didn't get these couple things right. Number 1, they should have cast Betsy Palmer as Pamela Voorhees. She was still alive at the time. From what I understand, there were talks back and forth between the studio and herself about reprising her role. And basically, from what I understand, they were going to pay her, like, nothing. Like, like you would pay just an extra. And from what from what I gather, it's not like she demanded like a ridiculous amount of money. They should have they should have ponied up and did whatever it took to get her on there. That would have been a huge fan service. She was still alive. She was up for it. 
I don't think she should have been recast. And I know it was just a small part, but still. And, and the lady that uh, that played that part, she did great. It just it should have it should have been they would have been full circle for the original Pamela Voorhees to come back one more time and make that fan service moment for the hardcore fans. And that was a big that was a big letdown to me because it was just right there. They could have done it. The second thing is, is Kane Hodder should have played Jason. Um, not not that the the I forget the guy's name that played him. He didn't do a bad job, but this was Kane's part to play. When we sat around in study hall or when we were camping out or when we were over at a friend's house watching these movies and we were having these conversations, we were in our mind thinking that Freddie, which is Robert England, versus that Jason, which is all which it in that time was played by Kane Hodder. I mean, he put in the miles. He had played Jason up to that point more than anybody had ever played Jason. And I just thought that would have been the right thing to do. But for whatever reason, they saw fit to to cast someone else. So it's Freddy versus another guy playing Jason instead of Freddy versus Jason because of that to me. And a lot of people that aren't hardcore fans think I'm nitpicking, but I guess those two things are mostly for the hardcore fans like myself. The third thing is... The, whoever wrote this movie, did have you ever seen a Friday the 13th movie? Because Jason Voorhees is not afraid of water. He's never been afraid of water. There's this stupid scene where Jason first goes into Freddy's nightmare world, and they have this showdown, and Freddy gets the upper hand, which is fine. You know, you need to have some back and forth. But there's a scene where there's a pipe busted, and there's some water trickling down. And Jason, like, gets afraid. And not only is Jason clearly not afraid of water, in almost every film, without hesitation, he goes barreling off into Crystal Lake after people. I mean, he's been in pouring down rain, and this is just some little waterfall, and all of a sudden he's scared. And, and secondly, again, it was just a busted pipe. He could have walked around it. It's not like... Even if he was scared of water, it's not like he was in the ocean. There was just a pipe leaking. That annoyed me, obviously. And there was a couple other silly things. There was some really bad CGI, but that was the sign of the times. But the basic plot, the way they got them two to work together, then turn on each other. Jason went to Freddy's world. Freddy went to Jason's world. And, and uh, how they, all, they wrapped it all up. It was a great movie. And if it had been for, you know, those couple things, this would have been way higher up on my list. Next, part seven, The New Blood. And honestly, I, I really wish this one was higher up on my list because I've really developed a, a, an affinity for this movie, especially lately, now that I've gone to the, the, the set, the film location where they, they shot it. And I did a lot of research for our YouTube video. Go check it out on our YouTube channel. And um, I always liked that movie, but I, I kind of re-familiarized myself with it. Familiarized. Five syllables. I got to go. Um, it's not higher up on my list just because I didn't have room. I, I, it's like I need, I need four number twos 
but I can't have four. I can only have one. So at any rate, uh, I'm going to do a breakdown of that movie as a companion to that video that I made for our Patreon. I've already made notes and stuff. I've rewatched it several times. And uh, it's a really good movie, and it, and it still holds up. It was the debut of Kane Hodder as Jason, and he went on to play several more. The next one will be part three. And I'm really glad that I went back years later and watched this again. It held up really well. In fact, I bought some 3D glasses and got the 3D version. And we watched it out here in in 3D with the glasses on. And that, that was fun. I encourage anybody to do that. It's just, it kind of reminds you, it kind of takes you back when... 3d movies which they're still a thing but now you can buy like a 3d tv that does it for you but back in my day you had to wear those paper glasses that came in with the popcorn so at any rate next is part two part two holds up really well it's a good rewatch i don't have a lot of complaints about about the second one other than maybe you know i'm glad they carried over the girl that decapitated Pamela Voorhees at the end. And of course, Jason's going to kill her. She's number one on the kill priority list for revenge for killing her mother, killing his mother. Uh, but I think she got killed off too quickly in part two. It's almost like oh, she was, it's been a while since I rewatched two, but I think she's one of the first people to get killed. Maybe maybe the first even. And, you know, she was such a big part, and that's like your connective tissue leading it into this one. But I don't know. I mean, that wasn't that big of a deal. I just remembered that. I didn't mind uh, Jason with the bag over his head. I thought that actually the bag was kind of creepy. It's got like the one eye hole. And not to mention, well, this is the kind of the debut of Jason Voorhees. Uh, I know we saw him, you know, just briefly at the very end of one as a as a boy, but this is the first time we see him as an adult, and this is pre-hockey mask, which I should have mentioned when I was talking about part three. You know, part three is the first time we see the iconic hockey mask, so, you know, that's a big deal for that one. But, yeah, I, did, I didn't mind the bag. I thought it was kind of, kind of creepy, but I'm, I'm glad they went to the hockey mask later. And going back to the 2009 remake, I like how they did that, too. You know, he started out with the bag, and then you found the hockey mask and, you know, kind of chose it over the bag. Next up, we have Jason X. Jason goes to space. <sighs> Hang on, let me get a drink. <laughs> I need, I need a, a sip of uh, Tennessee whiskey. I mean, this is where the franchise really starts going downhill. To me, six was great. Seven was great. Part eight should have been going back to the Tommy Jarvis storyline. It's like, okay, you got away from it for one film. That's fine. Let it let the storyline rest and breathe and then come back to it. But no, they took Jason to Manhattan. They took him to space. They took him to hell. Uh, I think they took him to a tea party at some point. I don't remember, but... It's just, it was getting really tired at this point. But, if you, especially if you rewatch Jason X, it's got some, 
actually some adorable moments. It's got some redeemable qualities. It's almost like you can't look at this as a Jason movie. I mean, it is, but it isn't. The opening sequence, going back and rewatching, I thought it was kind of cool how they talked about, like, you know, we need to study this specimen and his his ability to regenerate tissue and able to, you know, do this and do that. Like, we need to study him. We need to take him with us to where we're going and, I guess, you know, his space. And then when he got upgraded to Uber Jason, in hindsight, it's... I don't know. I kind of... I, if, if I look at this movie as non-canon as a an alternate universe then i can enjoy it a lot better because it does have redeemable moments but they're they're usually just the the funny moments like the the holodeck where he recreates the infamous sleeping bag kill he's smashing the girls against the the tree in the sleeping bag and they're giggling and all that uh that's that's funny there's a lot of funny moments and Again, if you if you suspend and just kind of let yourself, if you just let yourself enjoy it as a standalone movie, it's got its redeemable qualities, and I guess that's all I can really say about it. Um, and I kind of feel sometimes I, f- I feel bad. <laughs> I feel bad for Kane Hodder because he's he's probably the most iconic Jason because he played Jason in seven, eight, nine, ten. Nobody played Jason really more than once, so. He, you got to give him that, but he also got stuck with some of the worst ones in the franchise. But he still did it well. I mean, it's not no fault of his. His portrayal of Jason Voorhees is is great, is amazing. But he just got stuck with some of the worst ones. And uh, but again, he did it well. I saw on Facebook that he's still doing appearances sometimes, dressed as Uber Jason, and. You know, that's a cool-looking mask. You got to admit that. I'm glad that, you know, that it just was a one-off, but it was a cool mask. It was cool seeing Jason with, like, red eyes and, like, part robot. And uh, if, you, if you put on Jason X, I'm not going to go, oh, my God, I'll watch it with you. But it's kind of silly. Let's just be honest. Uh, next, we're getting towards the end. We have Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Let me take another small swig of uh, whiskey here. Let me, uh, yeah, twist my neck to one side and then twist it to the other to relieve tension so that I can get get through this little little bit of a shit show here. And I, I kind of... If I put myself in the place of the studio, they're probably like, okay, we get it. This guy hangs out at Crystal Lake a lot. Which I can get into. I won't get into that. There's actually... Never mind, I'm not even going to go there. I I can see where they're like, we got to take Jason out of Crystal Lake. We got to take him somewhere else. And I got to admit, that's a tough... It's tough to figure out how that works. But... Can I just look up the definition of a lake? Let me just Google this. What's the definition of a lake? Seriously, I want to know. A large body of water surrounded by land. A pool of liquid. 
That's the definition of a lake. And it's called crystal what? Lake. Not crystal tributary to the ocean. And two, when you look at Crystal Lake, I know this is a fictional lake, so it's kind of hard to... And it changes from movie to movie. But Crystal Lake doesn't really come across as that big of a lake anyway. Because in, in a lot of shots, you can see completely all the way across it. Like, you can see the trees on the other side of the lake in the background. Another indication is... I don't ever recall seeing any motorboats at all. It's just like canoes and stuff. Um, if I rewatched every single one, you might have seen a motorized fishing boat or something, but I'm not recalling anything motorized on the lake, which would tell me it's a small enough lake to where you can get around it and fish and whatnot with just canoes and john boats and paddle boats and whatnot. But then all of a sudden you have this humongous ship more or less or yacht it's a really really large boat on crystal lake and they're at crystal lake and then they they leave crystal lake into the ocean and wind up in manhattan and i never got that i was like yeah if you want to take Jason to Manhattan, I don't, I don't know if that's the most clever way to do it. It just, it never made sense to me. It still don't make sense to me. Some people can try to explain it. It's just still, there's a lot about that that I, and again, I, I, I can suspend my disbelief. But you're asking a lot of my imagination when you say that Crystal Lake is now a, a tributary of the ocean. And that you can get straight to Manhattan by boat from there. But that being said, the best scene of the movie is the only scene they filmed in Manhattan, by the way, is when uh, Jason is at uh, like Times Square and he has that run in with uh, um, all the guys sitting around listening to their boombox and he walks through and like kicks it over. They're like, hey, man, and like lifts up his mask and they're like, whoa, and they freak out. That was cool. Uh, <clears throat> The boxing scene was a little silly, but it was still awesome. Especially if you watched it in theaters, where he's like, all right, man, I've given you all I got. Let's see what you got. And then he hits the dude so hard, his head flies off into the dumpster, and then the lid slams on top of the on top of the dumpster. Like that was a, a big they got a big pop in the theaters. Um, so even it had its moments. Uh, the ending was weird. I didn't know they flooded the tunnels of New York with acid every night at midnight. That's kind of weird. I don't know if they're trying to cut down on alligators or like I don't know why they would put toxic waste and flood the tunnels. And and if you did get hit with toxic waste, why would you return to a ch to a child form? <clears throat> that was. I just remember watching this movie and laughing at some point parts and then most of the time just scratching my head. Like, what, what am I watching here? Now, to the moment I've not been waiting for. And I think that, uh, I think Kelly and Anthony will be proud of me because they're not going to expect what I'm about to say. There's only two movies left and they think they know what I'm going to say and this recently changed and I'll explain why. The next one is Friday the 13th, Part 5. 
a new beginning. For the longest time, this was last in place. Now it's next to last, and, you know, that's not saying much. And I don't have to go on and on. Everybody hated it. All the hardcore fans at least hated it because Jason wasn't in it. And the the equivalent, like, a, a movie about Jason not having Jason in it is the equivalent of you see a whole movie and then somebody wakes up at the end and the whole thing was just a dream. It's almost like, hey, we wasted your time and we got your money. I hope you bought some popcorn. Well, I didn't appreciate that. I still don't appreciate that. But recently, I've gone back and gave it a second look with, I guess, a more optimistic, not optimistic, objective, perhaps, perspective. And there's a couple things that I did actually like about Part 5. I like the opening sequence where you flash back to Tommy Jarvis. You got Corey Feldman reprising his role briefly. And this is something I found out recently as well on the sidebar is Corey Feldman had already signed on to do Goonies at that point. So his scenes were shot in his backyard. And then the other scenes of Jason coming up out of the ground and all that, which wanted to be a, night, a brief nightmare sequence to lead into the, to the Tommy Jarvis thing, um, was shot elsewhere. And, and I believe the guy that played Jason in that nightmare sequence was a whole different actor that played Jason for the rest of the movie. But anyway, that that sequence was kind of cool because you you had to tie Tommy in and Tommy Jarvis was in this movie. Um he was a little different than part 4 and 6 Tommy, but he's traumatized. He's at a like a halfway house, uh, uh an institution. So I, I guess, you know, he would be kind of weird. Um but I, I kind of like that opening sequence, even though it was just a, a nightmare. But I think it was necessary to connect the dots with, with Tommy. I, and I forgot this movie had two of my favorite kills in it. And there was this, this guy and girl that snuck off into the woods to have sex. And Jason killed the girl. Like, the guy walked off for something. I can't, I'm, it's escaping me right now. Maybe he went to go to take a leak. But he stabbed her in the eyes with a pair of, uh, you know, those things you clip your hedges with, hedge clippers. And then, like, they're giant scissors, right? So he, like, stabs her in the eyes and then closes them. And that was like, ooh, that was real gruesome. And the way he killed the other guy. Like, there, was, there were some pretty good kills. I'll give him that. Which is about all. That's about all the good I can say. Um, other than you know, there's some good casting choices. Um, there's a there's a lot of survivors from Five that could have been revisited if it hadn't been for I guess bad backlash from Part Five. Nobody and I think the fr the franchise just kind of forgot about Five, which is ironic. Because they didn't forget about, you know, some of the other ones they should have. So anyway, part five is no longer on the bottom of my list. And if you've used process of elimination by this point, 
you can tell all that's left is part nine. And all I can say about part nine is it sucked. Jason Goes to Hell is a good metaphor for the franchise. Uh, I don't think they wanted this movie. I, I know they wanted to set up Freddy versus Jason during this. Uh, and then they, there was talk of Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. I don't know how that fell in the timeline, but it was, it's almost, it committed the same crime as five. You had Kane Hodder play Jason at the beginning and a little bit at the end and everything in the middle was just stupid. Um, they're tired of the same formula, but all of a sudden now Jason can jump from body to body. Like don't give Jason some new power that he's never had in 11 other films and, or up to that point, it had been eight other films. That now he all of a sudden can jump from body to body. Why didn't he do that in part four or any of the other ones? And there was that one line where that guy was like, uh, oh, man, a body is just a piece of meat to Jason. Well, no, he always, they always, he always has the same body. I mean, in one form or another, whether he's resurrected in some way or just survives from one sequel to the next it's the same body it's always been the same body in fact he gets more and more decayed and stuff as the series goes on he looks rougher in seven than he did six and he looked rougher in six of course because he had been buried for so long but it's the same body but now they're saying no it's not he can just jump around like he's a a demon and i'm like that's even like i was talking about jason x if i if i like try to take it out of the franchise and think it was a standalone then then I'm okay with it. I can't do that with this one. It commits too many crimes against the franchise. That that whole thing about him jumping around, him like the way they they brought him back at the end where he was like reborn, it didn't make any sense. None of the movie made sense to me at all. Like why did that dude even want to eat Jason's heart? And how did the heart make Jason possess the guy but uh, and other times he just like transferred himself it just there's and then you had this this guy that shows up he's a jason hunter he's a guy that like hunts jason this mysterious guy wearing all leather and he's like a he's like a, a jason stalker Where, where's he been we've had nine this is the ninth movie and he just showed up um i'm not just gonna bellyache and bitch about it. i'm just not ever gonna watch it again it was it's pure garbage, and it made it to the bottom of my list, and I think it's it's just going to stay there forever. But what I was going to elaborate on, and I won't because I've kind of run out of time, is there's been a big lawsuit, and I'll elaborate on this more later, between the guy that wrote the original Friday the 13th and uh, and the producers and everything. The, um, there's this law... They came up with in Hollywood where after 35 years, you can reclaim the rights to something that you basically came up with. Uh, the, the studio side of the argument was uh, you were a hired hand. You were a contractor. We, we hired you to write this, and we paid you for it, and, and that's that. And uh, there was a ruling, and then there was an appeal. And as of right now, the the lawsuit is over with. So Jason's no longer tied up in the legal system. And it's probably not going to happen real quick, but basically the, the franchise could potentially move forward now. 
and like I said, I was going to elaborate on that more, but it's out of time. I'm out of time. Uh, I may talk about that more later. I hope you liked my list. I'm going to be doing one on A Nightmare on Elm Street as well. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Tom Matthews. I know I did. And don't forget, really, really soon, maybe as soon as tomorrow, we will have the companion episode to this episode where we watch Return of the Living Dead. We commentary on it, Mystery Science Theater 3000 style. And uh, we had a really good time doing that. We got a bunch more Patreon content coming out. We got a bunch more Halloween-related stuff, October-related stuff coming. So stay tuned. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to episode 168 of Real Pop Culture. We've been broadcasting live from high atop the first and only floor of the Kill J headquarters at the Kill J Ranch. Love you. Bye. Thank you.